Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. All right, a quick turnaround for the Bills to play Thursday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They play Sunday, they lose the New England Patriots. One of the best things about the quick turnaround is kind of flushing it, getting out of your out of your mind, thinking about it. But at the same time, this team has some issues that we need to discuss here, and it's always game day in Buffalo. Welcome in, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. Quick turnaround, Matt, is um, always kind of tough on everyone. But I guess, um, you know, again, in this situation, getting rid of that and turning the page quicker, as people said in the locker room, is a little bit easier when you can have something to focus on so quickly. If you win, it's easy to say that if you win, but if you lose, then it's two losses in four days, and then you are really concerned about everything, especially with that extra little rest there. It's a huge, huge game for the Bills. You have to win. You're still in the easy, quote, easy part of your schedule. You cannot fall to 4-4 four and four looking at the Cincinnati Bengals down the road. It's about to get harder. This is a really big one for the Bills, and yeah, in theory, it's great to have it four days later, but that's only true if you win. So now you have to win. Well, the talk really since Sunday has been about the offensive performance and the defensive performance. Ken Dorsey, a lot of talk mm-hmm. still about him, what they're doing personnel-wise, and that's going to change as well. Let's kind of start with the injury report that Sean McDermott gave us on Monday. Now, the team does submit an official injury report for Monday when they play on a Thursday because of the timeline with the league, mm-hmm. but more notable than the actual injury report through a walkthrough is what we know about Dawson Knox. He is going to have surgery. He is going to miss time. That's a blow to the Bills' offense. Look, I understand he has not had the best year. I think the wrist has been a part of that. We all know that they drafted Dalton Kincaid, but this is a, a, a significant player that they like to use, and Dawson Knox now is going to be out sometime. We don't exactly know exactly when or how long, I should say. McDermott didn't commit to that, but I couldn't get the sense, Matt, when he talked, if he was saying he wouldn't say he would even characterize him week to week. Is he saying this because it could be shorter, or is that because he's saying it could be something even way long-term? I don't know. To me, it didn't seem like it was going to be something super long, but that's obviously just kind of my read on the situation because it could be something minor. I mean, if it was something that he was playing through, maybe it's something minor. The thing that's so interesting to me is, does this change the philosophy of the Buffalo Bills moving forward? And if so, is Dalton Kincaid ready to be their top tight end? if they start to use more 11 personnel packages, which is, I think, what they're going to do. Because right now, Quint Morris is still on the injury report, too. So I don't think you're rolling a lot of 12 personnel. Wait, Maybe it's him and David Edwards as your extra guy. But right. right now, 
I think you're going to be a base offense with 11 personnel, and I think that means we're going to see a lot more Dalton Kincaid. There's two layers to this. In a way, I think it could make them more dynamic because Mm -hmm. I like Dalton Kincaid's skill set, and I think that he should be utilized way more. It would not shock me if he becomes the second most targeted player on this team behind Stefan Diggs. It also might make them a little bit more predictable, but that's not necessarily a bad thing either. And when I say that, it's if Dalton Kincaid's on the field, you're probably not running the ball. You're going to start to have to, but who cares? I've always been of the belief establishing the run is nonsense. Like, use your fastball, use Josh Allen. Sure, you want to be effective when you run, but guess what? The last couple years, when the Bills offense has been better than it is now, they really weren't able to establish the run. Right now, they're a pretty decent running team, but the offense isn't great. There feels like there's some symmetry there. So this is an interesting situation for the Bills because I really like Dawson Knox, the person. I think as a player, he's a a good, nice piece to have. But up to this point, he just hasn't lived up to expectations. Maybe that's because of the wrist injury. Maybe it's a culmination of a lot of things. But he he made multiple plays in the last few weeks that you would like to have back. And now without him there, Kincaid gets those opportunities. They also have Reggie Gilliam if they want to use him as a tight end. He's Mm -hmm. a fullback, but he can play that hybrid role, uh, fullback, H-back, tight end. The other option is Joel Wilson from the practice squad who's been with the club since, you know, the offseason. But he would be the next guy in line to kind of be elevated to the active roster. So we'll see if they go out, they sign somebody, or what they do with that. You mentioned David Edwards. That's exactly right. I mean, that's that's what they did Sunday night without Dalton Kincaid. David Edwards lined up as the extra offensive lineman slash tight end. Um, eight different times, I think it was, reporting eligible. So they want to go with that traditional blocking extra tight end. It would be David Edwards in that role. Then there's Von Miller, who only played six snaps, did not play at all in the second half. And from all the talk last couple weeks, it seemed like he was trending the other way. Something had to happen. He had to tweak something. He is on the injury report with a vet rest slash knee. Sean McDermott said they have to manage him better. And I don't know, Matt. I don't know exactly what's going on there. Did something happen during the game? There's some video that's been circulated about it was a play where he dove. He got up and looked like maybe he was limping, but he stayed on the field that play. But then he didn't play at all in the second half. So kind of wonder, you know, where that is and what's happening. But I will say that also McDermott did not give any indication of anything that seems serious enough that he would be in danger of missing a game. Yeah, it's a weird thing because when you see that he has the six snaps and he only plays in the first half, you immediately think, okay, he had a setback. I wonder how bad the setback is. But Sean kind of poured water in that on Monday when we talked to him. But that just doesn't make sense to me. And he said that, like, okay, this is just the way it played out, and we'll see what happens moving forward. How does it play out this way? Why is he even active if he's only going to play six snaps? It feels like you could get that, you could get something more effective from somebody else in making them active. So I don't know if this is going to become a trend. I just don't know how in this next game, with 10 days rest after it, you're going to go from six snaps to like 30 snaps. It feels like you're going to probably take a step back up to somewhere in the middle of where he was in his first two games, which was like 20 and 27 or something like that. So do you have Von Miller active to play 15 snaps? I think at that point it makes sense because he's a difference maker and he can make an impact. But if he's only going to play 10 snaps or less, then just let him get the rest for this week and for the next 10 days because – He's really not making an impact on the field yet. I think at some point he will, but he's not doing it. And part of that is because of the workload that he's been given. 
he's he's mentioned several times Bond himself that you know, he has to wear the knee brace until after Thanksgiving. He has to wear it for a whole year. He obviously was mm-hmm. hurt last year on Thanksgiving, and I wonder if that's something that he is actively thinking about and what is playing is happening here. Maybe that's something that he's kind of going through and wants to kind of get rid of that because he's mentioned it a couple of times. The other thing is McDermott even mentioned it could be you know a little bit matchup things like that. The, the Patriots did a good job of getting the ball out of Mac Jones' hands and not having him move around the pocket. Maybe that was, hey, you know, what are we doing? Vaughn, he's, you know, in that situation, we'd rather have more of an interior rush. They move Greg Rousseau inside. So a lot of things could be happening there and why. So we'll monitor what happens with Von Miller. Speaking of interior, Ed Oliver missed the game. It was a huge loss for the Bills, obviously, on Sunday. He still has the toe injury. He was limited in Monday's walkthrough. So it looks like he's trending in the right direction, I'd say, like that. Yeah, it feels like that was a decision to ensure that he was ready for this upcoming game against the Bucs. And then obviously you've got the extra rest against the Bengals coming up. So they need Ed Oliver. Excuse me. We're both like yeah. sitting here coughing this morning. They need Ed Oliver. Obviously, Daquan Jones has been a massive loss for them. And you realize how big of a loss it is when you also don't have Ed Oliver because their interior pass rush was basically non-existent against the Patriots. And they did a fairly good job stopping the run, but they could not create any pressure up the middle. No, the, the the middle of the field has been a source of concern ever since they lost both Daquan Jones and Matt Milano. I thought losing Matt Milano last week was a really, really big deal against the New England Patriots, especially maybe on that final drive, that final play. Maybe he's a guy that can make that play, but either way, you know, 29 points to a Mac Jones-led Patriots offense. Obviously, the Bills right now are scrambling to try and figure out how they can mitigate some of these losses. Uh, real quick, just kind of wrap up the injury report because we're talking to you here on a Tuesday morning. Bills play Thursday. Uh, so we're you know two days away, and they did have a walkthrough on Monday. They had to put the injury uh, report out. Bill Inspector, he actually did come back and play. He played 14 special team snaps. I looked it up because he injured his hamstring against Sean McDermott. Said, people said, what do you mean he injured a hamstring? He wasn't even on the team. Yes, he played 14 special team snaps. He was activated off um, IR a couple weeks ago. But that said, other people on the injury report, all full participants, um, including Terrell Bernard, Spencer Brown, Kyer Elam, Jordan Phillips. So looks like they're they're healthy in that regard. Um, but Bale Inspector, the other guy notable. All right, let's get to the um, comments from Sean McDermott. So, look, I'm just going to say it this way, and then you can kind of react and tell me what you think about you know what I say here because I think that I, I've kind of been digesting the fan reaction, the media reaction, ever since Monday afternoon, leading into Tuesday when we're talking here about Sean McDermott saying that he is, you know, it, to his level of involvement. He said, of course, you know, he is involved. He's the head coach and he wants to have meetings and involved and to make sure that things are where they want. He wants them. And, you know, under his philosophy, whatever the you know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. There seems to be some outcry and pushback and people upset about this. I, 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 I'm more surprised that people don't understand this is normal. Like this is how it works. He is the head coach of the football team. Every single head coach molds the team in their own philosophy. They hire people that have their own philosophies. They are involved in every meeting. They are the they are the people that set how the team dresses at practice, how they conduct their practices and walkthroughs. They are in all the meetings that discuss what the travel schedule is. This is what the head coach is. That's what the role of the head coach. I think in this situation, it's different for people, and they don't like it because he's a defensive-minded head coach. Look, yeah. t- tell me an offensive-minded head coach. Do you really think Andy Reid – is not involved in the defensive game planning of the Kansas City Chiefs. This is not abnormal. I don't know why people are so upset simply because, let's be honest, 
They're just upset at Sean McDermott, and this is another way that them to be more upset about him. They're also upset because of what they perceive his philosophy to be. And we don't know for sure what that is, but we can also kind of put the pieces together because this goes back to when Brian Dable was here, and it always felt like there were these clashing ideologies of what the Bills were supposed to be. And Sean is very much a fundamentalist of, like, you play good defense, you establish the line of scrimmage, and you make sure that you have a running game. Where Brian Dable was, well, we have this freakazoid quarterback and this unbelievable wide receiver, and... Remember, for a while, the Bills ran out of a base 10 personnel, not a base, but they used 10 personnel a lot. They didn't even have a running back on the field. It was just like, all right, everybody go, and we're just going to go have fun out there. So, excuse me, they didn't have a tight end on the field. So, it's interesting because I think when people hear that comment from Sean and from Ken Dorsey, they think, oh my goodness gracious, Sean McDermott is the reason why they are trying to establish a run game, and it's why there's been such an emphasis on this, and this is a big problem because this is clearly not what the Bills need to be. I think there's a little bit of truth to both of the things that are saying here. I think what I'm saying is you don't love to hear that from either side because of the optics, but it's also not a surprise. Like I feel like that's one of those things that's probably better left unsaid. Even though we all should know that Sean McDermott is involved in the offense. I don't necessarily know if it's something that needs to be come out and said publicly. It's just one of those. Well, things he's that asked a question. Avoid. How involved are you? What, what, what is he going to say? Hey, listen, he could say, is he going to tell everybody I'm not involved at all? I mean, he did say, no, by the just, way, I believe in, I believe in letting my coaches do their job. And I think sure. that part has gone away from people like understanding he's not, he's not calling the plays on offense. No, he may, I think the question is, Matt, the question we don't know because neither of us are in these meetings or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is he specifically directing Ken Dorsey that you must run this much 12 personnel? You must run this much 11. You must mm-hmm. get the ball to this guy. I can't believe that's necessarily happening because I also want to point out they are third in the NFL in scoring. They are averaging the mm-hmm. same amount of points right now through seven games than they did last year for the entire season. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, but the the standard needs to be different because this defense is injured and banged up and is not going to be able to hold opponents to what you were able to hold opponents to in years past because you just simply do not have the talent there. And that's just kind of the way it's played out for the last couple of years. So to say that they're the same as they were last year, that's not good enough. Even though they were 13 right. and three, that ultimately didn't get them anywhere past the divisional round and the offense needs to be better. So what you did last year needs to be even better. And right now it's not even close, even though the numbers say that it's close. It's clearly, I mean, they've got 10 combined points in their last three first halves of football that they played. Okay, wait, 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 wait. The first half counts. Of course it does. They scored 25 against the New England Patriots. This is not on the offense for this week. We went through on the postgame show. I went back and looked. They punted one time. They had Mm -hmm. 25 points. They played Mac Jones. Why are we upset about the offense in that situation? Well, because it's not good enough. It absolutely should have been. That's the problem. So wait, it's if the defense th- gives up 32 and the offense doesn't score 33, we're blaming the offense? 
No, but I think given you're look like when you look at it in a three week span here, it's the same conversation as week one, where it's not the defense's fault that they lost the game, but it's also Zach Wilson. And you should yep. have been able to probably stop him, and you didn't. And I understand that the offense was more at fault there. I do not think that the defense gets none of this blame, but there is something to be said about you scored 25 points on offense. You only had three in the first half. Seven of those points came because you got a turnover like at the 20-yard line, and then you were able to score a couple plays later. You've got a they're playing like prevent defense on the second last drive where you get the touchdown. Th- these are not excuses. The offense is not good enough. The offense is a shell of itself. I think this is a backwards way of looking at it. They moved the ball. They punted one time. They scored 25 points. 21 points is the mean in the NFL. You were playing a horrible offense. Mm-hmm. The defense is the reason they lost the game more than the offense after looking back at it to me. They yeah. offense, you could say not good enough because they didn't score enough points. At what point do we say that's good enough and you should stop somebody? 30. They got to score 30 oh, points. I, mean, I, think, I think that is – I look, it, that's fine. I think they have the capabilities, Matt. I think that is way too unrealistic to expect any team to do. You just don't average 30 points in the league. One team in this league right now is averaging 30 points, the Miami Dolphins. I'm not saying that you got to score it every week. I'm saying, but like you got to get close to it. And right now they're not even doing. I mean, two weeks ago they scored 14 points. And all I know two weeks ago is a quarter. different story. I agree with you. But what what is the what is the baseline this week? You're playing Baker Mayfield. I mean, you should conceivably be able to go score 21 points and win the game. But that's not good enough. And everybody, because I do not trust their defense at all. And this is going to be a fault of Sean McDermott if this continues, because to his credit. His defenses have been very good, and a lot of times they have made plays. But guess what? You don't have Daquan Jones, you don't have Matt Milano, and you don't have Tredavious White. So guess what? There's going to be teams that score 30 points on you. Mac Jones just did. And then you can flip the conversation the other way. Is it not good enough? Because Mac Jones was able to score 29 points on you. So if they're able to score 29 points, don't you think the offense should probably be able to also score that against the Patriots? No, I think you should still hold them to less than that. Sure, but I mean, it's you, one you, of those conversations. You, you, you can also look, they're, they're injured. It's going to be harder. You, you still have to be able to do a better job than that. My issue is with the offense. Defensively, I understand the defense is not playing great right now. This last week was a bad game. They've got all the injuries. I think that's a, like a legitimate excuse because of all the injuries. But this is the conversation we had three weeks ago when they started to have all the injuries. You have to win games because of your offense. This defense is not winning you games anymore. So if the offense is not playing even close to its potential, what what is the ceiling for this team? The ceiling for this team is maybe getting to the playoffs. It's not trying to win a championship. And if your offense does not figure it out soon, then it's not even a foregone conclusion that you make it to the playoffs, which is really, really scary to think about. What is the offensive ceiling? Let's talk about that here. It's always game day in Buffalo.